Hey everybody, welcome to episode 14 of the Kings and Priests podcast. My name is Michael and I co-host this show with Dean Sweetman. But today I have a conversation with Brandon Jacoby. Brandon is on the founding team and is the head of product and design at Party Round. Party Round is building better tools for founders, starting with automated fundraising tools that allow founders to generate and send docs, collect signatures, and receive funds, automating their raise from open to close. In this episode, we hear how Brandon found his way into working in startups, his thoughts on the future opportunities in crypto, the difference in optimizers and inventors, and how his faith informs how he builds. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at Jacoby Brandon, and you can also follow Party Round on Twitter at Party Round. Both are definitely worth the follow. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. We're going to be doing more and more of these kinds of interviews and conversations as the weeks and months go on. And it was just so cool to hear Brandon talk about the way he approaches building what he believes about entrepreneurship and creating products that serve people and really how uh, his faith informs how he approaches all of that. Well, hey, listen, that's enough for me. Let's jump into this conversation with Brandon. Brandon Jacoby. But before we do, do me a massive favor and subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast today. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really does help us spread the word. And if you're on Instagram or Twitter, you can follow us at Kings and Priests Podcast on Instagram and Kings Priests Pod on Twitter. All right, let's jump into this conversation with Brandon Jacoby. All right. Well, uh, I'm here with Brandon Jacoby. Brandon, thanks for being with us, man. Thanks for having me. Super pumped um, to chat. Really excited to talk to you. You're in New York City. Um, it's like snowing in 20 degrees right now. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Had to uh, crush through the snow a little bit to get back in front of the computer, but we made it. <laughs> Trying our best. What part, of the ci- what part of the city are you in? Uh, I'm in Manhattan down in okay. West Village. So yeah, was fortunate enough to get a pretty, uh, pretty good deal on a new lease during the height of the pandemic and stuff. And they didn't raise it too much. So hoping the uh, same thing continues uh, over the next couple of months. Nice. Did you um, stay in the city through most of the pandemic or did you kind of leave and go other places? I was one of the few people that stayed here. You know, m- right. most of my like friends and a lot of people kind of in my circles and stuff uh, chose to leave. And it was just like me and a couple close friends over here that stayed. And, you know, I think I definitely regretted it at some moments, but it also led to just like, some of like the coolest memories I had like living here so far and I've been here like five years. So, you know, having, you know, basically, you know, a large percentage of that now being like during the pandemic and stuff, it's been a, it's been a unique experience, but it's definitely some cool memories along the way. Awesome. I came across you on Twitter. We got mutual friends. You are a part of C3NYC. Um, shout out Fillmore and Josh. We love you guys. Um, and so that's kind of how I came across you, I think. I think I just saw something yeah. on Twitter. So um, I want to just jump into uh, maybe a little bit of your backstory. So, you know, you work for Party Round. I know you got a other, you know, some other stuff that you're working on. And maybe we can talk through kind of what yeah. led you to this this point now. But um, maybe just give me an overview of your kind of career thus far. What got you into working into startups? Is it always something you wanted to do? Did you stumble into it? What's the uh, What's the genesis of that story? Yeah, totally. You know, I feel like there's a lot of people in the startup and entrepreneurship world that kind of just like stumbled into it on accident. And part of me wishes that was my story. But to be honest, it was kind of like one of those things that I always knew I wanted to be doing since literally as long as I can remember. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I would, uh, you know, always be starting like random, you know, call businesses, like, you know, just as a kid, like trying to like sell stuff to my friends and family, trying to like, you know, whatever the lemonade stands I was doing, uh, whatever that sort of thing. It was like always that to the extreme. Okay. Uh, so I was always kind of like, you know, an entrepreneur at heart. And then kind of th- up throughout like high school um, and that sort of age was really kind of when I got like actually started in it. So, you know, kind of stumbled into the design and like product development side of things, uh, sort of like through photography and just kind of some other creative mediums. Um, but then really kind of just like, you know, stumbled into this like snowball effect of an early career where, you know, I was helping out some like friends and family uh, with, you know, their like 
local businesses and doing their websites. And then, you know, from there, just, you know, expanding further and further. And then, yeah, by the time I was like a junior or so in high school, I was just doing like freelance work for some early stage startups, uh, some bigger clients as well. And it was, yeah, it was really kind of just like this network effect of people introducing me to more people and so on. And uh, started jamming on like my own side projects as well. And, you know, they were kind of these like little like micro startups where I would just like get an idea, finish up school for the day, jam on it, you know, staying up all night and then, you know, putting it out into the world. And even if no one used it, it was just this like really cool feeling where I was like just making it for myself and like mm -hmm. learning these cool, cool skills of like product and design and uh, engineering and stuff. So that's awesome. that was kind of like the super early stage. And then, yeah, once I, you know, went to college, uh, did that whole thing for a few years and then ended up coming to out school? to New York for, uh, so I went to Ohio state, uh, okay. go Buckeyes. Is that where you're from? And, uh, no, I grew up in California, actually not too, right. uh, not too far from where you are in LA. Okay. And yeah, I feel like there's like so many different aspects to this story, but I was also a super high level gymnast at the time. Uh, yeah. so I was doing that throughout my entire life as well and actually got recruited to go. Uh, joined the Division One team out at Ohio State uh, for that. So that was kind of like the main catalyst and what brought me from California to the Midwest. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. What what kind of gymnast were you? Is that even – I don't even know if that's a yeah. proper qu question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. I've been asked that question enough to know what you mean. Um, <laughs> so in college, it's like asking, I specialized like, what kind in... of that's like asking like, what kind of footballer are you or something. Like that, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but no, I specialized in the pommel horse in college, so that's the thing with like the two handles on it, and you spin around in circles a bunch of times. Um, Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so you're yeah, at Ohio so... State. You're at Ohio State. You're doing yep. the gymnastics thing. Did you graduate? Did you kind of like? get over it and decide I'm going to go start building businesses. What was that like? So about three years into my time at Ohio state, I kind of was in like a pretty, you know, pretty rough spot just in terms of life. And I felt like I got like totally kind of engulfed in, um, you know, kind of just in the student athlete life. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about like the faith side of, you know, my life and story in a little bit, but, you know, as a little sneak preview is, you know, kind of, you know, not didn't have a strong faith at the time and was really kind of just like living a life that was not uh not fruitful in many ways and was kind of just like you know had this wake-up call where i'm like man i kind of need to just like get my life back on track and this is you know like i said my junior year so long story short ended up like reaching out to a bunch of connections that i had prior to college from more of like the work and professional stuff that i was doing and ended up getting an internship out here in new york and that's what brought me out here. So was planning on coming out here just for the summer, doing an internship and then going back to school and finishing up my senior year. Um, and then once I got here, kind of just one fell in love with uh, the city, fell in love with New York, was always like a city person at heart. So it just like felt right. Um, got plugged in and planted in a great church, like you mentioned, C3 uh, NYC out here. And that was like really kind of the time that I, you know, was kind of just getting started in uh, that faith journey. Um, so that was obviously a huge part of it. And, you know, over and above uh, both those other things, it just like really felt like I was just like kind of alive for the first time. I'm like, man, I'm like doing what I actually feel like I'm like made to do again of just like, you know, doing tech and building things and entrepreneurship and stuff. And then kind of coinciding with that, I actually got an offer from the company I was at to drop out of school and stay in New York full time. So took cool. another month or so to decide uh, what I wanted to do. And then, you know, made the leap and joined that company full time. And now five years later, I, uh, yeah, been here ever since at a different that, company, but, uh, still in New York. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, that, that is, I mean, it's, I was not a student athlete. Um, and I was not at Ohio state. I was at a film school here in LA and literally the same yeah. thing happened. I just like, I had this internship that turned into this like, yep. super part-time job that then turned into this full-time job. That was like, I can't, I can't do both. Um, and yeah. I'm glad that I didn't finish uh, school, mm -hmm. would you say? <laughs> Obviously, looking back, and we're not giving anyone education advice here, but um, right. <laughs> or maybe we are. I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, you, you know, look back at that, the way you know, I've man, always, that was a great, a great decision. Yeah, the way I've always looked at it, and I've had a lot of people kind of, you know, seek advice on it if they're going through like, a similar thing. And this is what I always tell them. It's like, I am extraordinarily confident in 
the decision that I made for the circumstances I was like within at the time, you know, I had an opportunity in front of me. It was a great opportunity that like, you know, made it kind of like too hard to pass up. If, you know, if someone's listening and they're like, oh, I want to be, you know, the next Steve Jobs, next Mark, next Mark Zuckerberg, like that's great and all, but like, I would suggest like doing what you can, like while you're still like in the comfort of school and stuff to like, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of set a foundation and like know directionally, like where you want to go. Or if you have, you know, an opportunity, which, you know, I had in front of me or it sounded like you did as well, like, you know, in front of you where it's like a clear path that you're jumping to, I think that like, you know, those are always like the, uh, the people that I push a little bit harder to do it. But yeah, I also think it just like, it depends on what you want to do, man. It's like, you know, <laughs> if someone wants to be a doctor and a lawyer, which are, you know, mm-hmm. obviously important things to society, like you should probably stay in school. Mm-hmm. But if you like already have some like tech or entrepreneurship stuff like under your belt and that's something you want to pursue and you have like something you can't stop thinking about, then like by all means, you should listen to your gut and do what you think is best for you. Let's talk for a second and I want to get to kind of where you're at now, what you're working on and and maybe how you yep. found yourself in that position. But before we do that, I, I, let's talk about your faith for a second. So you are a part of a local church in New York City. Um, that's part of what kept you in the city yep. that you're in or part of what made you really feel like you said come alive. So talk to me about your faith. Like, did you grow up in church? Did you grow up following Jesus? Was there yep. a moment or a series of moments that kind of opened up your eyes? What was that? What's that story? Yeah. So I grew up in a household that was, I'd say like Christian by uh, association and like identity, but not any sort of like relationship or like, you know, definitely didn't feel like I was like following Jesus like myself growing up. Um, But, you know, if someone asked when I was a kid would tell them that I was Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, So it wasn't something that, you know, I was like against it or anything. It just, you know, the relationship with God wasn't there. And um that was kind of you know my entire life uh all the way through college basically and you know it wasn't really until i kind of felt like i kind of hit the lowest of lows that you know was kind of the moment where i'm like you know don't really feel like i have anything else except still kind of knew that god was there and that's like that was really the kickstart um into that faith journey and then yeah i'd say similar to my story of like entrepreneurship of like getting a little taste of it and then just like snowballing from there, I'd say like my faith was the exact same thing where, you know, kind of hit rock bottom, rebounded from that kind of, you know, met God in that moment. And then really from there, just like snowballed. And now years later, looking back, it's, that's definitely the best decision I ever made. Um, And yeah, it's just, you know, it's brought me to a life that, you know, I definitely wouldn't be here if it weren't for uh, work for God and work for that faith. So super thankful for it. How how do you think that that has informed um, the way that you work and build? So, you know, for me, like I always say, I, you know, my first job was literally I was a janitor at the church I got saved in when I was when I was 18 yep. years old. Right. And you do as being a part of a church, you do kind of learn this like, um, I guess, accountability service. You know, you're, you're kind of really taught right. like, hey, this is about more than just me. Um, and. I am legitimately not the smartest guy in the world. I don't have any kind of crazy (laughs) talent, but I've been in Los Angeles 12 years and have found myself in some pretty insane scenarios and some pretty insane opportunity. And Mm -hmm. it sounds so cliche coming from someone who is also a pastor, but I do feel like those characteristics that have gotten me into those situations are things that I've learned in my relationship with Christ. And I don't know that that's an accident. So would you say that that's been the same for you? If so, how do you think that that's informed kind of the opportunities that you found in front of you and what that's looked like? Yeah, you know, I think so much of I could sit here and describe what, you know, following Jesus looks like, you know, a 100 different ways. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to just like service and serving people, right? Um, And loving on people. And at the end of the day, that's really how I view like building products and like entrepreneurship even like my job whether it's at my current job at party around or doing any sort of like side project or anything like the reason that i enjoy doing it is because i can build something that previously like didn't exist in the world that allows people to be served in a way that makes their life better obviously there's a conversation to be had on like you know the role that like technology plays in the world and 
we could have a whole other podcast about that. But like, yeah. really, the way that I view uh, what I do as work is really kind of just like modeled after what I've learned about like the character of God of just being, you know, creative and building something new in order to serve people and make whoever I'm interacting with or whoever the products that I create is interacting with make their life better. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, you know, outside of that, outside of the product lens, I think that there's also just like so much that I've learned personally through, you know, serving in my church or, um, you know, just like following Christ when it comes to leadership and really kind of discovering, you know, who I am as a person and, you know, discovering how to, you know, meet people. I think that, you know, church has been such a good opportunity to, um, yeah, really just learn how to like connect with people and like get to know people and like see people how, you know, mm -hmm. Christ sees people. And that's like, um, you know, that's been a really, I'd say like pivotal thing in my life and, you know, has definitely been something that I've applied to like my professional life as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think? And then I want to get to, you know, some of this other stuff, but I, I guess yeah. along this faith theme here, what do you think? Well, let me, let me, I guess, set this up in a better way. So you're a part of a church in New York city, um, a church with a big vision. I know C3NYC, there's a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot going on. There's a yeah. lot of hands. I mean, you guys are always doing a lot right? In the best kind of yep. way. Um, you're a young, busy guy. You work at a startup that is probably very fast moving. You probably could be working 18 hours a day <laughs> if you wanted to, yep. right? Um, I think oftentimes churches tend to almost discount people like yourself because of lack of time availability to do things like yep. serve. And if you can't be involved in everything, then you're involved in nothing. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Um, yep. How do you think people in a position like yourself who are focused, who are building and who have very full lives, what does it look like for you to serve and build in, in your local church when maybe you can't be at everything all yep. the time because of, of what your life looks like? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I actually just had a conversation about our, uh, with our friend Fillmore that you mentioned at the top of this mm -hmm. call the other day about this. Mm -hmm. um, I think people tend to view it as an all or nothing thing, just like you said. Um, and like for myself personally, like, you know, I'm in a season of like traveling a lot for work. And, you know, there's some weekends on Sundays that I'm there in church serving. And then there's other Sundays that I'm out of town on the other side of the country. And, just because those weekends exist doesn't mean that the weekends that I am here doesn't mean that I can be in the city plugged in, you know, serving um, on a Sunday. And that's like from like a practical, like while I'm here in the city perspective, but even just in terms of like seasons of life, like throughout my career being here in New York, there's been years where I've felt very like comfortable in my job and have been there every single Sunday serving and doing all of the different uh, opportunities that were in front of me to serve. And that was great for that season. There's been other seasons where, you know, I've needed to take a pause and take a step back from some of those things. And just from like a sheer uh, perspective of making sure that I was doing okay, uh, not like overextending myself. And, you know, I think that people just like view it as an all or nothing thing, like you said, rather than taking these moments of like self-reflection and saying like, where am I at? What am I capable of doing right now? What's my capacity? And being okay with saying that, you know, I'm going to do just that and trusting that others around you are actually going to like respect that as well. Because I think that there's like, there's always that like fear element uh, that yeah. I think people run into where they're like, oh, like I'm not going to do anything because I don't want someone to think that I'm like, I'm only doing something halfway. Yes. When like, I think le leadership is like giving your all to like whatever you are doing, not giving you know, half of yourself to everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that people just have to like, kind of start to become okay with themselves, you know, not being able to do everything, but then giving a full effort in the things that they recognize that they're able to do. Mm -hmm. And it's such a unique, like you said, it's such a unique balance, you know, because it is like, yep. there is a never ending amount of things to do. And, um, yep. but there's also a never ending amount of things to do for people in their personal lives. And so it is that that juggling. But I think what you said is right. It's just being yep. clear about here's what I can do now. Um, and what I can do, I'm going to give it everything that I have. And, and also I think part of, um, I think part of the way we serve and build our churches is by building our own lives and, and 
being yep. a successful Christian in the business world, in the marketplace right. and being balanced. So now that's really good. So talk to me about, um, party round. You are yep. the head of product and design. Uh, so maybe let's do this. You don't become the head of product and design at party round without first doing some stuff to get there. So maybe talk to me about kind of like what yep. led you to be doing what you're doing now. And then what, tell us what party round is all about, because you guys have quite the, have generated quite the buzz um, on, <laughs> on Twitter specifically. Yeah. Um, can't wait to talk about that, but I guess answering your first, first question, rewinding a little bit, um, you know, kind of picking up the point of sticking around, sticking around at that job full time from that internship. Um, so that was at a company called cash app, which is one of the fastest growing FinTech products. Um, you know, I think ever, uh, globally in mm -hmm. recent years. And I was there for about four years and looking back, it kind of feels more like, you know, 15, 20 years kind of shoehorned into those four years, just based on like how fast we were growing, how much stuff we were doing. And then also I think just like my own personal growth within that. Um, and yeah, I was there for four years and just got kind of this firsthand experience of being in the trenches with a bunch of like really talented team members, building this really fast growing product, learning an absolute ton and ultimately got to the place where, you know, realized that we went from like small scrappy team to like really big company um, and was kind of just ready to take the leap and say, okay, I've like learned a insane amount over the past four years. And that was kind of spanning all across from like design to product strategy to um, to growth and all these sorts of different things. And I think that that's sort of the experience that you get when you're on like a small team. And then once we grew and, you know, I think that naturally like my role kind of just started to, um, you know, get a little bit, I started to wear only, you know, one hat instead of 15. Mm -hmm. And I'm the type of person that loves wearing 15 hats because that's like where I feel like I grow and like learn a ton. Um, so it felt like, you know, learn a ton across different areas and that is ready to kind of just like take that and then apply it to something new. So, you know, decided to leave that job and then just spent about six or seven months just like exploring a bunch of different ideas and, you know, thought I wanted to go the founder route, thought I wanted to start my own thing um, and, you know, play that role. So explored a couple of ideas, started doing some like angel investing and ad advising other startups. So it was kind of going like, an inch deep and a mile wide in a bunch of different areas and really just took time to like explore and figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and then met my two co-founders for party round and went into the first conversation with them as, you know, being pretty against the idea of myself joining another startup. It just, you know, at the time it's what I thought that I didn't want to do. And then, you know, I think that there's probably a lesson in here of like just listening to your gut and, you know, trusting the people that, you know, you end up around. And, you know, I met them, had one conversation with them that was supposed to go like an hour and we ended up jamming for like four and a half hours. And, oh, that's cool. you know, from that point, and was yeah, that just like, like, I couldn't stop. Well, sorry. Was that like because of yeah. the product or was it because of them or, or a mixture of both? Like, what was it about that conversation that yeah. made you kind of completely change the way you were thinking about it? I think it was a combination of both those things. You know, it kind of felt like one of those ideas where there's really like no end to it. You just like come up with one idea and that leads to another idea and another idea and another idea. And you kind of like, you know, you start with this like small, like seedling of an idea or like napkin sketch, And then you have this, you know, massive whiteboard of ideas and like grand vision. And I think they felt the same thing. And then like the excitement of both of us feeling the same thing led to us feeling like we could really like work together and like build something really great together. So, you know, and I think on top of that, we were just like hitting it off on, you know, a people level as well. So it was just, it, it really felt like the right time. And, you know, I was in the right place with the right people and didn't want to leave the room. So, you know, yeah. kind of took that as a sign that probably should focus on it. Yeah. So tell us a bit about Party Round. What's the um, what's the idea? Where did you guys start? Where are you at now? I think you guys just raised a pretty significant amount of money and you're kind of about yeah. to fully launch, right? So so give us yeah. kind of the, the story there. Yeah. So Party Round is a automated fundraising tool for other startup founders. I don't know if you or anyone you know listening has gone through the fundraising process for like an early stage startup, but 
I historically, just did. I just and, did. I, I spent time yeah, at I'm so sorry. I was printing, faxing, yeah. <laughs> all of the all the stuff. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, you understand firsthand how painful it is, and it the idea of starting a company uh, and raising money for like a venture backable business should be like the most exciting moment of your life. And you know, it's kind of like you know the new American dream is like building a venture backed business, the internet. And the, it just should be this really exciting big moment, but the tools that people have been, you know, that have been in front of people to do that thing are so manual and archaic and the process of like raising money from angel investors now in 2022 hasn't really changed since, you know, angel investing was even like a thing. It's really just been this like old process of like wire transfers, manually sending documents back and forth, using expensive lawyers. Um, and yeah, uh, party round was kind of born out of just like the recognition of that. And we're an automated fundraising tool where founders can go on, sign up, onboard their company, um, invite investors. And then we basically generate all the documents in the back end, like, you know, using technology instead of, you know, lawyers manually creating them. And, um, then founders invite investors to the product. And on the investor side, it's all like invite only. So it's not like a marketplace of ideas where, you know, anyone can go on and just like view things. Um, there's some other like great companies solving that. But for us, we're really focused on, you know, putting founders in the pilot seat, letting them manage their own round, inviting their investors, and then investors come on, um, sign all the documents, transfer all of the funds, and then we take care of the entire back end and make it, uh, make it super automated. And we have a bunch of, uh, bunch of fun things on top of that, like, you know, giving people NFTs as little trophies mm -hmm. for their investments and a whole bunch of stuff. But that's kind of the core of the idea. Yeah. Um, I want to get to the NFT thing in a second, because um, I have some questions. Questions. It's, for a, you. it's inevitable. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So party round. So you, as the head of product, um, I'm assuming, I guess you can tell me if I'm wrong, that you have been working directly with a lot of founders. I would assume, right? To yeah. build the product, get the product off the ground, um, kind of figure it out, tweak all that kind of stuff. How many people do you have using the using Party Round right now? If you can say, if not, no stress. Yeah, um, can't give specific numbers right now. Um, and we, so we just recently launched kind of at the end of last year. Um, and we're kind of in this phase where we have a really large amount of demand Uh kind of, you know, I would say the number that we have on like our wait list waiting to use the product and it would probably shock you. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely like a stressful thing where I'm like, I want to let them all on at once, but, you know, unfortunately can't do that. But we're in this stage of kind of letting a really small number of people on just so we can work extremely close with them so that we can like learn really, really closely from them on and figure out, you know, what their exact pain points are. We have this whole product built that we're testing with and, you know, we're watching them super closely with how they use it and then making sure that we really get everything to a place that's like super polished. It works as expected. It works in like a really clean way that's like solving all of their needs. And then from there, we're going to continue rolling it out further. Um, so we're kind of in this like beta testing phase, but so far so good. And, you know, I think everyone that's using the product so far has been, you know, super, super happy and, you know, have gotten uh, raving reviews. So, you know, super yeah. pumped so far. But in answer to your question, yeah, we're uh, we're definitely talking to a lot of founders, and you know, myself personally, um, have gotten a cool chance to meet a ton of really cool founders that are working on some really cool kind of world changing ideas. Yeah. So, what would you say? Um, and I think you you mentioned this earlier, and I like the uh, specification you made because on on this podcast we talk a lot about we talk a lot about tech, we talk a lot about startups, but we also talk to you know about lifestyle businesses and small businesses, yep. and if you want to be an entrepreneur. That doesn't mean you have to, you know, go start a venture-backed business. But I want to ask, in in talking to and working with a lot of founders who are in that world, what are some, I guess, some characteristics, some mindsets? Help me parse yep. out the thought process of a founder that's building a venture-backed business um, yep. versus just, you know, an entrepreneur that wants to start a business and provide a good living for his family, his or totally. her family. Yeah. I think the key trait that first came to mind when you were saying that was just like an obsession over a vision that they have like for the future. So I think for using party round as an example, like 
myself and my co-founders and kind of like our leadership team has have this like obsession over what we think the world of like startup fundraising is going to look like in call it, you know, 10 years from now. And our job is to go make that happen. And I think that that's the trait that a lot of these like founders have is just a, you know, a vision for where they see the world going and then like a ruthless obsession over going and like making that happen. And, you know, when these founders are going out and raising money from angel investors or larger institutional investors, like what they're actually doing is not just selling people on an idea of the product today, but, you know, selling people on a vision for what some, for what the world can be, you know, 10 years down the road Mm -hmm. and looking for support and, you know, backing that instead of kind of more the immediate, you know, what they're doing in the short term. Would you say that most of, and again, I'm not asking you to give broad generalizations, but would you say most of the founders that you're working with, are they first time founders? Are they like yourself where they've spent time working in a fast growing startup? I think a lot of people think I just want to like start a business. I want to start this. I have this idea. And I think oftentimes they may want to skip a step. Um, So how many founders that do you think you're working with? Like this is their first time or those who have, you know, worked at a startup before to get some, get some experience, get some chops and then try and do their own thing. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty split. Um, You know, everything from people who, where this is like their third company that they've started and they're a third time founder, or, you know, they're someone that spent years at like a big tech company, you know, like the Facebooks or the Googles of the world. And they got a ton of experience kind of like myself under their belt, but then they're ready for kind of that like bigger leap and, you know, got an idea and now they just like want to run after that. But I think it's like a pretty healthy mix. And, you know, I think that's honestly what's cool about startups is, Mm -hmm. you know, especially kind of within the tech world is it's like, you have this like massive range of like diverse people all with like all sorts of different ideas. And it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, the person's background, it just kind of matters. Like if they're able to like start from day zero and then build going forward. Um, So we see like a pretty healthy mix, but you know, no matter what their background is, whether they've worked at a big tech company or they've started a company before, or, you know, they're, you know, a mom or dad in the you know middle of the country that hasn't ever worked in the tech world before. I think that they all share these like common traits of like what I was talking about, of just like being obsessed over an idea and then going and like making it happen. And then I think that depending on which background you come from, like you might take a slightly different path. Um, but yeah, you know, short answer, definitely see like a mix of people. Yeah. So I I thought of this question just as you were talking a minute ago, and this is more for personal curiosity. So we're going to just maybe deviate from this, this outline here for a second. But when you talk about you guys, so at Party Round being obsessed with the future of what startup fundraising is going to look like, what are your thoughts on the future of, and you've mentioned angel investing yourself. Um, There's a lot of talk right now of like democratizing the ability to invest in a startup, right? So right now we don't need to get into the nitty gritty of it because I don't even know that I fully understand it, but um, the different levels of accreditation for someone to be able to invest into a startup, do you see those changing? And do you guys see yourselves as a part of building products that can help make that change? Yeah, totally. So I think there's a few kind of like macro level trends you've seen over the past few years that um, kind of like back this claim up. Um, one of the core beliefs that Party Round was built on was the idea that, you know, it's never been easier to invest in basically any asset class other than startups. So, you know, look at what's happening with like Robinhood and the public markets or, you know, there's a ton of like really cool companies out there making it easy to invest in you know, sports cards or sneakers or wine or cars or, you know, art or you name it. But when it comes to startups and like the private markets, there's this huge barrier to entry, whether it's through like really kind of insane accreditation laws um, that I think are, you know, going to inevitably change over time. Or just like, um, more importantly, I think for us, just like the tools to enable that. Um, So yeah, I think that, you know, the bar, the barrier to entry Um, the world of like investing in startups has been historically like really, really high. But I think that there's like a natural pressure for it to be lower right now. It's being solved in, you know, a bunch of different ways. You know, in some ways that means, you know, helping people get access to the right deals to invest in. For other people, you know, like us, it's more about, you know, facilitating, you know, those deals and opportunities in like a more automated way. But I think it's kind of this like, you know, multi-directional attack on this thing 
um, or I should say pressure uh, on the same concept of just, you know, that barrier kind of like getting a lot lower because, you know, I think anyone would agree with you that like startups and tech companies are like kind of at the forefront of like human innovation right now. Mm-hmm. And the feeling of being able to, you know, not only make it easy to like build some of these things, but make it easy for anyone to like back one of these ideas, you know, that can feel like a superpower in and of itself where it's like, mm-hmm. if I have an idea that I'm passionate about, just because I don't go out and build it doesn't mean that I can't, you know, back or support someone that can. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like one of the big areas that we're seeing. Um, and I think kind of going um, along with that, I think that you just have this like, yeah, really big, I think, desire for, you know, people to get more and more uh, individual like ownership over something. And that's, you know, kind of leading into what you're seeing with NFTs and crypto and stuff. And I think people just like want to feel like a lot of ownership over something Mm -hmm. and, you know, having ownership over, you know, a small portion of a company that you back, I think it's a really cool feeling. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about crypto and NFT and Web3 first. (laughs) We'll get back to uh, some of your tweets because I do want to kind of dive a bit deeper into (laughs) some of those, but okay. So I saw that you guys released some NFTs. What was that a few months ago? Um, Yep. I, and we kind of did an episode a few weeks ago where I talked about my journey buying and then selling my first NFT, which I have to admit, I bought it, I sold it, and now I highly regret it because I think it's like tripled in value since I sold it. But that's the way it goes. (laughs) That's the story of my, the story of my life. Um, And I'm fully all about it. I'm fully all about crypto. I'm fully all about the NFT thing. I do have to say that the process of buying this nft felt like a bit of a nightmare and i left the process going no average person is going to do this anytime soon um and again that's just one anecdotal situation and i'm not the smartest guy in the world when it comes to this stuff um so talk to me about web3 you said um you you tweeted recently you said the product and design opportunities in web3 right now are not just coat of paint opportunities rather chances to change the fundamentals of company building um you said there's a lot of great products being built in Web3, but it's unfortunate that the culture can sometimes turn people away before they realize the potential of the technology. So I don't know, man, yeah. why don't you just riff a bit on all of this stuff right now? <laughs> help our, oh, help our My... folks understand um, what this yeah. is and why it's, it's bigger than maybe just like you said, some of like the cliches that we see <laughs> online. Yeah. Yeah. So Web3... Um you know, maybe I'll say crypto more broadly is an idea that's been around for, you know, maybe a little bit longer than a lot of people would expect. Um, Really, it's this fundamental new uh, form of technology that we have that's really focused around a few things, decentralization being a big part of that. Um, And I think Web3, there's a bunch of Web3 companies, there's a bunch of companies being built that are trying to take the Tool, current tools and current processes like buying NFTs or, you know, storing your Ethereum in a wallet or, you know, doing all these like, you know, pretty like basic crypto use cases and, you know, trying to make it a little bit prettier and shinier and, you know, more aesthetically pleasing. And those are all important. But what I think are actually like the new opportunities that are going to, you know, effectively like change the world, kind of like leveraging crypto, leveraging web three are going to be the opportunities where it's taking these new forms of technology and kind of like extracting the value out of them and then delivering them into like real world use cases and real world applications. You know, I may be a little bit biased, but I think like party round is like a great example of this where, you know, we're using uh, NFTs as like a trophy and a reward, um, kind of like a digital stock certificate would be. Um, once someone makes a investment, that's something where there's kind of like a really clear use case uh, for the same reason that like stock certificates have been, you know, useful to kind of like verify a investment in the public markets. Um, NFTs can kind of serve as this like verification layer that's like totally decentralized, meaning like, you know, there's not a single entity that says who owns what, but it's like this shared agreement amongst everyone of like who owns what. And it's super transparent. So there's, you know, there's, especially within angel investing, you see a lot of, you know, people maybe saying it's like, oh yeah, I was like a part of that company at this stage. And it's like, 
well, no, no, you weren't. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people that love, you know, just because there's so much like hype and excitement for a lot of companies, there's a lot of people out there that love to take a ride on that. And, you know, I think NFTs and crypto really allow uh, this kind of like verified layer to like sit on top of all that. Um, and that's like just one example of like where, you know, NFTs can provide like really strong value. And I think, you know, anywhere that there's like been collectibles, uh, kind of within society is like an opportunity for, you know, that to be like digitized and put on the blockchain and become an NFT. Um, and there's just so many really cool opportunities out there like that. Um, unfortunately, I'd say, you know, this is kind of like what I was saying in that tweet, there's a lot of, you know, stigmas and culture around some of these projects and ideas. Um, you know, whether it's from the outside looking in who think, you know, the only thing happening in the world of crypto and, you know, is like, you know, the Silk Road and people buying things on the dark web and like all that stuff. And like, don't get me wrong, that stuff exists, but there's like such this like more positive, like beautiful world that's just like waiting to be built, um, kind of leveraging these new technologies. Um, and then maybe on like the other side of that coin, um, or, you know, Bitcoin, I should say, it's awful puns, but uh <laughs> You know, I think on the other side of that coin, there's like a lot of people that are, you know, Web3 maximalists where everything has to be a DAO instead of a company and everything has to be an NFT instead of just, you know, putting something on the Internet. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think that like that's a healthy perspective either. I think that like, um, you know, the right balance is like looking at something from like first principles and saying, here is what is going to be valuable to the world. And if, you know, something that uses like crypto technology or something within the world of Web3 provides value to that thing in the best way possible, then use that. But if there's like a better direction, then, you know, it doesn't all have to be Web3. So that's my, uh, that's my small, small rant. <laughs> I love that. Is there, is there like a, um, a primer, like the average person who wants to understand this, wants to get a very balanced view, all encompassing view of it, is there... A specific yeah. person they could follow is there a specific newsletter that they could sign up for like what's a good what's a good voice in sorting through kind of all the noise out there yeah um you know i think that there's still a lot of opportunity on the education side to be done um i know of a few startups that are kind of like tackling that but in the short term uh packing mccormick who mm -hmm. is a really fantastic uh News, he writes a newsletter. He's also a really fantastic angel investor. He was like one of the first investors in Party Round. Cool. Um, he's just he come out. Newsletter. He's like come out of nowhere. It feels like. Yeah, he's a um, he's blown up. I think over the past like year or two, it's been really yeah, cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. So he writes a uh, a newsletter called Not Boring, and he covers um, kind of like all these sort of like really amazing up and coming companies that are kind of in the crypto world and just trends more broadly. Um, and he's probably the voice that I follow. Uh, the most closely to kind of stay up to date with what's happening. Cool. Cool. He's kind of in, I guess maybe he didn't invent, but he is kind of right now, I guess the figurehead for this new like online writer slash VC yep. investor uh, thinker. And I just love his perspective on it where he kind of just is like, I don't, I kind of know what I'm talking about. I'm learning as I go. Right. <laughs> um, and just kind of like go along for the ride. And he's kind of perfected the art of like not coming across as, like a charlatan he's like you just you you want to yeah. you want to listen to him you want to read his stuff um so yeah i think that would be a great a great place for people to start um okay so before totally. we, we close let's let's talk about this because i i want to ask you uh about this this tweet you said there are a lot of optimizers out there the inventors are few and far between talk to me about the difference between an optimizer and an inventor and maybe yeah, you know, give us a couple of examples of the difference between those two. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, something that I'm, you know, personally super passionate about, I think kind of just, um, and that comes that passion comes from both my background. And also, I'd say like a lot of it comes from, you know, my faith, I think that there's a lot of people in the world that uh, and I'm going to try my best to not uh, talk down about these people, because I think that, you know, both are equally important to the world. Um, for different reasons. Um, but there's a lot of people out there where they get comfortable um, 
taking a system that's in front of them and tweaking it and trying to adjust it to get the best outcome out of it. And when I say system, you know, that could be a product, that could be an industry, that could be, you know, their own business. But it's really, you know, the perspective is just looking at something and figuring out what adjustments can be made in order to make, you know, it perform better. I personally feel like I fall more into like the inventor camp and like just naturally like lean that way where it's like, let's kind of forget that whole thing and really design something from scratch. And sure, there's going to be a lot of like crossover maybe with like what has existed before. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, an example would be looking at like the difference between someone like a Steve Jobs and someone like a Jeff Bezos, like both, you know, extraordinarily successful people in the business world, both very successful entrepreneurs, but took very different paths to get there. You know, Jeff Bezos was a really fantastic businessman who, don't get me wrong, had an extraordinary vision for Amazon, I'm sure, like from day one. But I think Steve Jobs took more of like a creative approach and said, you know, here's how we want people to feel when they use an Apple product. Here's, you know, where there's a great, I think like audio clip that I can send you that's like Steve Jobs in like the 80s talking about what technology would look like in the future. And it like perfectly describes where we're at today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that Steve Jobs was so much more of just like a visionary and then worked to get there. Mm -hmm. rather than saying, here's what's in front of me. How can we like optimize this thing to move forward? So mm. you, you might end up getting to the same place, but it's the difference between starting from the end vision, working your way backwards and starting where you are and working your way towards it. Yeah, that's such an interesting example because I remember, and it, it made me think, I remember I was, I did some consulting for this ad tech startup. Um, I think this would have been like probably 2016, 2017. And we were sort of like mm -hmm. introducing... Um, this new product to a lot of the digital and out-of-home media buyers, right? And we were yep. meeting with the media buyer for Amazon at the time. And so mm -hmm. we're sitting there meeting with them and it was sort of like, they kind of liked the idea. So they brought in a couple of executives from Amazon. And so we're like pitching them this like very intricate ad tech product that has since completely, yep. completely failed, which I guess is besides the point. But but one of the things that they said that was interesting was like the true north at the time, the true north for Amazon, the number one goal was essentially to be able to build an infrastructure that would allow for anyone in a major city to get any product on their doorstep within three hours, right? Um, yep. That's great. And that's optimization, but that's not necessarily inventive, right? Um, yep. And then you hear the difference in some of these things that Steve Jobs has, has said. And it's like, now that's, a, that's the mind of an inventor. Um, yep. so I think that's such a good, a good difference. How do you think people could, can know? I listen, I, I believe God gives us gifts and I believe God gives yep. us, um, talents. I think oftentimes we try and do things maybe that we were never gifted to do. So how do you yep. think someone can tell in between these two? Like, am I an optimizer? Am I an inventor? You love inventors. Yep. That's what you're passionate about. But uh, what are some characteristics that you think um, somebody could, I don't know, maybe be aware of in themselves to know what direction to build in? Yeah, from what I've noticed, uh, kind of the best, I'd say like more, you know, visionary type people that I've encountered in my short life so far uh, are people who are just like really naturally curious about everything. And you know, it resonates with, you know, myself and like, I like to think about the times where I just like walk to the grocery store and on the way there would be thinking about how the crosswalk signal could be improved and how the, the taxi driving by could be different and how people could get to the grocery store more efficiently. And then why do people even need to go to the grocery store? And it's just, you know, kind of this like Pandora's box of, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. being curious about everything and you know, I think that that's like a different approach than just like, how can people that, that just go to the grocery store, right? <laughs> um, you know, I think yeah. that, you know, I think that, you know, it's really kind of just like this curiosity mixed with like this natural inclination to like get bored. And I kind of mentioned earlier that, you know, I spent a period of the past few years just kind of like going an inch deep and a mile wide. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, kind of born in that same idea of just being like super curious and wanting to explore a bunch of different things. 
and then waiting to kind of see like what I was passionate about kind of throughout that. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's some people that I think are better at and enjoy more just like going really, really deep into one area and like understanding something like so, so deeply. And that's where you can like really kind of like optimize something the best is when you have like the deepest understanding of it. So I think it's kind of just this like personality or like character traits of like someone who enjoys going really, really deep or like really, really wide amongst like a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, last question and we'll let you get on about, you know, about your, your evening. Um, If you, if you had five grand and a weekend to start a business, come up with a business idea, what would it be? And what would your first couple of steps be? Oh man, that's a tough question. (laughs) I keep a like running note on my phone of just like random ideas. And I'm trying to think of the one to be able to be accomplished with (laughs) just $5,000. you can go yeah, up to you I, can go up to ten, fifteen, what, you know, oh, what, thank whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah, um, I think that there's so many startups being built right now, and I'm going to try to frame this idea as much as possible without kind of encouraging into party around territory, but obviously give that a ton of thought. So it's hard not to. But you know, I think right now it's never been a better time to start a company, just given the tools at people's disposal the access to capital for a bunch of reasons like we discussed, the t- number amount of talent that's just like in the world, like ready to build something. And I think it's never been a better time to start something. And if I had, you know, that amount of money, I would try my best to go start something that makes it easier to start something, um, if that makes sense. And whether that looked like, you know, giving away a bunch of, you know, taking that money and divvying it up to a bunch of different people that, you know, wouldn't be able to have access to that and, you know, letting them take it and run with it. But, you know, I think it comes, you know, I don't know the specific idea at the top of my head, but, you know, I'll tie it to what makes me passionate about working at Party Round, which is like, I can go build one company or I could make it easier to start the next, you know, 100,000 companies. And that I think has this like exponential impact in the world. So, you know, more specifically, I think that there's like tons of great ideas in the world of like Web3 and, you know, just like, you know, fintech and so many really cool like social apps to be built that like bring people together. But any idea that, you know, I think makes it makes people's lives easier and makes people feel like more connected, I think is uh, is a good idea right now. Awesome. Well, Brendan, man, thanks for chatting with us today. Where can people find you online? Twitter, Instagram, what's the what's the social, you know, platform of choice for you and how do people find you? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, I would say I'm most active on Twitter, especially uh, if people enjoyed what they heard me talking about uh, this stuff. Uh, you know, definitely find me on Twitter. It's at Jacoby Brandon. And uh, yeah, other than that, uh, basically on every other social network, so pretty easy to find me. Awesome. We'll have to have you back on again soon for like the full web three crypto conversation, because I feel like I could have a hundred questions for you just in that alone. So we'll make sure to do that. Yeah, man. Anytime. Love chatting about it. Awesome, brother. Thank you.